Welcome to Outside Ourselves, a show featuring conversations that remind us faith isn't something we do, it's something we receive. Today we are chatting with my dear friend Gretchen Ronovic. Gretchen is author of the book Ragged Spiritual Disciplines for the Spiritually Exhausted, and she co-hosts the podcast Freely Given. One thing that you should know about Gretchen is that she is someone who thinks deeply about everything. And that translates to the way in which she communicates. And I think that's something that you will pick up on during today's conversation. She is thoughtful, kind, and gracious, and I'm so grateful for her willingness to give us a preview into her research on the topic of the patience of God. In our conversation, Gretchen talks about how she has found patience to be a steadfast descriptor for God throughout scripture and therefore a quality which underlines the consistency of his gracious attitude towards us in the tension of our lives as sinners and saints. Patience, Gretchen tells us, isn't as much a muscle to be flexed as it is a reality we experience as Christians, a reality given by a compassionate and enduring God who is slow to anger and quick to forgive, and that patience allows us the freedom to reorient how we view our neighbor. Trusting that just as God is patient with us, he will be so with those around us. Trusting that God will answer us, perhaps not in our time and with our answers, but with answers that are meant for our good nonetheless. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy today's show. Gretchen, thanks so much for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun chatting with you. I'm super excited you're here today. Um, for people who don't know, Gretchen uh, wrote a wonderful book called Ragged a couple of years ago now, right? Has it been out? It came out um, May of um, 21, so last last year. Last year. Okay, so for over a full year. Um, and Ragged, her first book is on spiritual disciplines, but uh, currently you are kind of in the middle of researching and thinking about um, another book, which I don't want to, you know, give away the whole book, but I'm interested in the the topic that you are looking into, uh, which is why we're here today. So could you tell us a little bit about kind of what you're looking into and what you have uh, been finding out in your research? Yeah, I, um, writing a second book is really hard because the first one I think I um, I wrote in my head for quite a long time. But just the very idea of um, patience is what I'm studying. It kind of came out of a, um, a weekend retreat that I was writing for um, a church that was having me come back to speak at their women's retreat again. And um, they wanted me to talk about living in hope. And I started looking up all of the verses in the Bible on um, hope and the context um, surrounding um, every single time the Bible talked about it. And what I found in the big picture of the redemptive story in the Bible, kind of like a tapestry, I was following that thread of hope and twisted along with it in every single instance was the topic of patience. Hmm. And so then I asked a lot of questions. I kind of recoiled a little bit because patience is something that um, I associate with as um, 
I don't know, like when you're a kid and your mom is just like, have patience, you know, and, you know, you're kind of waiting for something you want to have happen. And, um, something I try to teach my kids, but normally it's, you know, shouted in a very angry way of, you know, be nice, have patience, you know, and it, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where I really struggle with it. And so I yeah. started asking some maybe uncomfortable questions of, um, is my lack of patience or the unwillingness of patience, is that affecting uh, my hope or my experience mm-hmm. of hope? And so I started researching kind of the relationship between those two, um, the relationship between patience and hope. And um, it, it's taken me down a lot of rabbit uh, rabbit trails. Um, yeah. And so it, it's been an interesting study and I'm not sure if I'm quite there yet, but it's, it's been yeah. fun. That's great. Can you talk a little bit? I'm, I'm curious about that uh, specific relationship between patience and hope. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? I'm assuming it's kind of, is it, are you, is it directly tied to like our hope in, in God or are you kind of talking more broadly, like just hope and patience yeah. in general? I think, specifically um the hope that we have in christ Mm -hmm. and what was interesting was studying um the biblical concept of patience sometimes the word patience isn't always used sometimes it's endurance and so i've been trying to um properly define um how the bible talks about patience and One of the things that in the New Testament, patience is properly translated as Mm long-suffering. Okay. And that comes from, um, in the Latin, is is long-suffering, is patience. And that's actually related to um, the patience of, or the the passion of Christ. Uh, It's where we get the word passion, uh, which is the suffering of Christ. And that's where we get the word compassion is to suffer with. Yeah. And so yeah. I started seeing the the tie-in together of patience and passion and, and compassion. And so, but that's in the, the Latin Vulgate. And so then I started looking at Greek to see how they had, um, how the Greek defined patience. Um, and I, I won't try to pronounce that word, but it, it basically means endurance or um, perseverance, to, to persevere, um, which also has that suffering element to kind of push through. Um, mm. And comp- so I was wondering, okay, does Greek have that same connection between patience and compassion? Um, compassion in, um, in Greek basically means your insides are moved or you know, mm, your, yeah. your organs movement, just like really deep in your gut. You're moved towards something. But in Hebrew, the word for patience um, is hilarious, actually. It means to have a really long nose. Hmm. And so because um, the nose is the seat of anger, kind of like if you're huffing and puffing and um, really angry. And so to be able to hold your anger, to hold your, um, is to have a long nose. And so that is how, because that's just the descriptor for that. Um, the word for compassion in Hebrew, I, I got this from Chad's Unveiling Mercy, um, Rahum, Rahum, I don't know how to pronounce that again. Um, 
But it means to uh, to surround or internalize someone, almost to womb someone, to take them into mm. your womb. Hmm. And um, that was really profound to me. And as I've been looking for um, this idea of the willingness to suffer and the willing to um, to take someone in um, or to suffer with someone, all of it has been pointing me back to the theology of the cross hmm. and and what that means. It's um, learning to articulate that has been difficult. There's a story that um, I'm, I'm starting to share, though it's a little awkward one because I don't want to, I don't know, it's one of those stories that can be taken all sorts of different ways. But when I was, um, when I was giving birth to my um, fourth child, this was my first planned natural birth because I, um, I had had complications in previous births with um, pain medication. And so I was planning on this one of, of not doing that. And um, so I had planned all these relaxation techniques and I was pr- praying my way through a contraction there was, I was just kind of counting up as it was getting more painful and then counting my weight back down. And a really hard contraction hit. And as I was praying, I remember really going to the Lord and questioning because there was a passage that came into my mind of he knows all of our struggles and he knows all of our pain. And so I was really asking the Lord in prayer, do you know this kind of pain? Like, am I alone in this kind of pain? Or is this something that you don't understand? Um, Because this is awful and I hate this. And um, I'm not not one to glamorize birth. (laughs) So um, I, it was really awful. And uh, a picture came into my mind during that prayer. Um, just kind of visualizing um, Jesus on the cross and the suffering that he had done and the the passion that he did. And it was almost like um, I understood he understands the pain of birth, um, connecting it in with Nicodemus asking Jesus, how can I be born again? Can, Hmm. um, Can I crawl into my mother's womb? again, like, is that how it's going to be happening? And to understand, to be born of the spirit, um, really understanding, which is actually a very medieval idea of, um, and to be, I don't want this to be taken out of context in any way as though I'm feminizing God, but the cross being a picture of our second birth and the suffering that had to happen (laughs) for us. Which is clearly an image throughout scripture. I don't think that's, yeah, that's no, that's not a huge stretch. Yeah. <laughs> so, life, new life, uh, creation, recreation that happens yeah. all the time. So, um, but to, to understand, um, the new life that comes through suffering and mm, yeah. And specifically um, Christ, Christ suffering for us, right? Yeah. Specifically Christ suffering for us. I know for me personally, you know, there's that joke that if you want to have more patience, you know how God is going to give it to you. And the more I study this, um, the more I take issue with that statement as though patience is a muscle that we are exercising. 
I am mm. finding this is more patience is um, the spirit of Christ that is given to us. It mm. is something that has come from outside of us. But I think a lot of us are afraid of asking these questions because we're afraid we're just inviting calamity on our lives. We're inviting God to test us and make our life miserable. And so let's just avoid this question. And so I'm, I'm wanting to bring grace and clarity to, um, and really by means of, instead of looking at the suffering around us, by looking at the suffering of Christ yeah, and fixing yeah, our eyes and on even, Jesus. Maybe even yeah. instead of looking at our own suffering uh, solely, right? Like looking at if everything is flowing from Christ, then that's obviously where, where we need to begin. That's interesting. What you said about um, patience being more of like a gift than a muscle that we're trying to stretch. I see that to me kind of put together some puzzle pieces um, when you're talking about the connection between hope, because if um, in faith, we, we have hope for what is to come, then we also are going to be gifted with patience for that to become a reality. Is that a good way of yeah. of kind of viewing it? That, that's a really good way of looking at it. There's always the fear as as a writer that people will take your words out of context and use them um, to either harm themselves or others. And yeah. um, like the first place I go is like, well, what if there's um, a woman stuck in an abusive marriage. And she's like, well, if I just endure the suffering long enough, that's going to fix my situation. Or if I just endure yeah. this and, and I, um, there's so many micro judgment calls in the Christian life that I think we're wanting a, a tidy answer for. And yeah. I, I don't want to make any attempt to make those judgment calls for people. What I do want to do is to fix our eyes on Jesus so that we can um, see patience as something from him instead of something that we have to figure out. Yeah, that's, I, you know, I'm kind of um, looking into forgiveness a little bit more right now, and I feel like it's very similar um, yeah. in, in, in the sense that God's forgiveness, forgiveness is always God's. He's always the one that's going to gift it to us. Um, and in that way we are then able to gift it to others. But when we receive, when we receive forgiveness from, from God, it's always perfect, right? He's always able to forgive us perfectly. And probably similarly, he's always able to be long suffering and compassionate to us perfectly. Um, and yet when we then do our best to emulate those characters to those around us um, in the horizontal realm, we know it's going to be imperfect. And that might come from kind of what you're talking about, all of these little mm -hmm. judgments in different situations, um, or it could very much come from our own sin um, and our, our own unwillingness and inability to do, to do those things perfectly. So I think that's always a good, it's always good for, for that to kind of be the the context in which we talk about these things and to try, I think like what you're saying, not be super prescriptive all the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you're going to be patient, then you have to do 
X, Y, and Z to every single person because that's that's not probably the most helpful way to do yeah, it. Yeah, and, um, and enduring or being long-suffering doesn't always look like we think it will look like. Sometimes yeah. it means standing up to someone who you've been too timid to stand up to because you haven't wanted to suffer for it or you mm-hmm. haven't wanted to. Um, I mean, there's various ways to, to look at that. But, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> well, you tell, that that makes me, like, could you, is there, like, a, I don't know, this might be hard to do. Is there an example of that? Like, if you said it could look like standing up to someone rather than kind of, like, I'm guessing taking um Well, I mean, look at the. What would apostle, that look like? Look at the Apostle Paul and the Judaizers. I mean, he hmm. could have said. I'm going to be super patient with you guys and all that you're doing. And it could, um, you probably don't know better and it'll be great. But instead he was just like, okay, what you're doing is actually wrong. And Paul Mm -hmm. suffered for a really long time for saying that. Yeah. Um, So I think, I think there's different ways that you could um, make claims about that. There's there's the doctrine of vocation, where we are um, God's mask to other people, and that is good and it is right. And how my sin often twists that is to instead of thinking that I am the mask mask of God, um, I am God, um, and I. I I am God and I can do what, you know, what God is actually doing. And so there's an enormous amount of humility that is, um, I don't want to say required, but maybe the goal of this is, is a proper understanding of our, our role and our, um, our place in this. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Knowing that we are, we are not master and creator. We're creature. Plays, yeah. a, plays a part in, in the way we see it and the, and the way we see God and then our relationship with others. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was, um, thinking what, what you said, the example you gave about Paul, it's almost like the patience that he showed, um, wasn't necessarily in speaking out, but in waiting for those who he spoke out against to come to repentance yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily that he wasn't being patient, but the placement of patience was maybe different than we would expect it to be. Yeah. I and I mean, Paul wasn't going out stoning the Judaizers for not getting their yeah. doctrine correct. You know, I mean, he there there was an element of patience to him of just um, saying what was true and receiving the ramifications of that in our sinful world. Yeah. Why do we need a, a patient God? Like, why is that so, why have you found that so awe-inspiring? Um, because I think that's maybe a, a character or a characteristic of, of God that we, we don't, I don't often go to right away. Um, so how has that kind of changed how you see God in, in yourself? Well, I think um, I think we hesitate to talk about a patient God because um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, marketing and in uh, evangelism, 
of just like there's there's this whole um there's this whole marketing is the best term I can think of it of um you don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow you don't know if this and this and this and you don't know if you know um count the days and um come to Christ right now don't hesitate um kind of almost like I I kind of I kind of envision a high pressure ultra call. Um, a high pressure ultra call is not the time to talk about a patient God, you know, because it's yeah. just not, it doesn't feel effective <laughs> to that, you yeah. know, um, of a oh God. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording. There's a whole time element to this that is mm-hmm. another rabbit hole I'm going down of um, if God is living in eternity and we are living in a very um, limited time and, and mm-hmm. live in the restraints of time. Yeah. Um, how does that play into it? And I'm trying not to go too deep into the uh, philosophies and philosophical metaphysical rabbit hole on that and trying to keep two feet on the practical ground. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, pro- and probably like scriptural because I'm sure yeah. <laughs> there's a whole world yeah a whole world out there on time yeah there's a whole world discussing time and so um but there's a lot of theologians who have discussed this and there's there's a lot to be said um so I think I think we hesitate because a lot of us when we are trying to work with others or um minister to others um, or even raise your kids or, you know, deal in marriage or just like everyday relationships. Um, we have an immediacy on our mind and, um, Mm -hmm. and high pressure feels more effective. And so to talk about the patient God feels like the most ineffective theology to bring to people (laughs) because you're like, well, then they're not going to want to like do anything. They're not going to want to change. They're not going to want to change if they don't know. Um, but it, just like it's so closely related to the um to the idea that if we talk about God's grace too much people won't get their act together likewise talking about the patience of God um is basically talking about the the grace of God um over a span of time so then we're talking about the hmm. faithfulness of God over a span of time. We're stretching it out. And um, I'm like, I'm going to write this down after <laughs> as, a, as I'm talking yeah, about <laughs> um, But it, it, it's, it's stretching it out of the consistency of God's grace, the consistency yeah. of the theology of the cross in our life and how that... Um, how that affects us in an everyday um, kind of way. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's something we talk about, though I don't think that most Christians would deny the patience of God. It doesn't always sound like the most um, usable attribute to meet people with, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) that's, I I mean, if you're trying to, definitely not the most in our minds, effective um attribute kind of like what you everything you just said but i think for those who have um 
for the for for people who are in a place where they feel burdened by guilt um, and burdened by by the sin of their own lives, I could see it as an incredibly um, I don't know if effective is the right word, but helpful and and maybe even like you said, awe inspiring uh, thing to bring up. This this last summer has been just a strange strange season for me. I have um, it was a season marked by um, multiple enormous life milestones. You know, my hmm. oldest child moved out of the house. We celebrated hmm. our twenty year anniversary. There's um, there were doors that had closed and new doors that are opening. So I mean, there had I'm I don't know if it's just the age I'm at, but there have been a lot of um, what feel like seismic shifts. Um, in the midst of that, um, I deal with chronic pain, which I was talking about a little bit this week, yeah. and I was yeah. thinking about. And so I've been I've been struggling with some of the shifts and feeling a lot of guilt for my struggle. Um, even mm-hmm. though a lot of them are good and happy, it's just like, what's the matter with me? And um, what's the matter? Like guilt that things are changing and won't be the same or? Well, um, maybe guilt that I'm not feeling enough joy all the time or, or guilt okay. that I'm grieving um, hmm. just yeah. at the end of the stage. Um, yeah. You know, I think we, as, you know, happy Americans, we, we, we feel guilt for grief even and yeah. um, because we're supposed to be joyful all the time. And um, yeah, the last week and a half, um, I've had a, a, my chronic pain, huge flare up. I've had migraines and I have, um, I couldn't lift my right arm for about three days. And um, so my, I have been, again, feeling an immense guilt because that has been hard on my family and my house yeah. is falling apart. And um, so I turned a corner about a day and a half ago. And so now I'm kind of in recovery mode from that acceleration. Now it's kind of in recovery. And um, just the other night, my husband just had his arms around me as I was just laying my head on him as I was just so tired. And I'm just like, I am so sorry that all of you have to deal with my junk that I am just like. and the patience that he had of just kind of like, you take your time getting better because we're going to do this and we're going to do this the right way. And, um, I, I feel guilt when I am not immediately better. And I think we do that a lot with God of just like, God must be so disappointed in me because I'm not perfect now. Like I believe in him, but I'm not perfect yet. And we can be in the recovery mode for anything and the um or the ability even like to the, have... the even the the backsliding mode yeah. you know like the the i'm okay i'm starting from zero again um mm-hmm. yeah we don't think that he has patience for that and and the reality is that he not only has patience and forgiveness for that he's given us his righteousness so that yeah. it's not our job to go from from zero to one hundred because he already sees us as as perfectly righteous. Sorry, that yeah, he's he's not worried if his righteousness is enough. Like that's that's not something that that he's concerned about. If his righteousness 
given to us isn't isn't perfect enough and so it just it reminded me as my husband was comforting me um that to have a patient god who says i know i know you're struggling and my love is still here um that actually gives you the courage and the hope to start a new day <laughs> and it gives you the um that that consistency that um that mm. sunrise that um that life where there shouldn't be any um that's that's the patience of god and so mm. um it it's a very healing thing i i think especially in um there's i think the current generation talks a lot about trauma talks a lot about healing um, yeah. talks a lot about, um, and I, I think this is a message that will resonate, um, not stop people from getting better, but assure them that God is not put off by their trauma. God is not mm. put off by what they're struggling with. Um, God is patient and he knows, and he is enough. And, um, instead of, instead of enabling people to just say, okay, I don't need to do anything. I, I truly believe that's the message that gives them courage um, yeah. for the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Courage and, and um, I think allows us to, you know, we've talked about this before, but to be rooted in reality of what yeah. sin is and what, uh, the gospel is rather than having to try to avoid or minimize um, sin in our lives. Because if we know mm -hmm. God is, is patient with us, then we can, we can say, this is not right. Like this is mm -hmm. not how things should be, whether that's, you know, a, a personal error or like you mentioned um, some trauma that you've experienced, you're able to, uh, I think Luther is the one that says, call a thing what it is. Yeah, calling a thing what it is is one of my favorite parts about Lutheran theology, and mostly yeah. because um, rooting yourself in reality is, um, I don't know, there's all these, especially when it comes to hope, there's, you know, there's all these cliches, and I think um, the idea of hoping in yourself or hoping in your yeah. own effort, I think, I think we all know that's not true. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, um, the affirmations that you see, like, on, um, I don't know, I, I kind of joke about, like, um, the affirmations when I used to be in, like, MLMs or, like, on Instagram or, like, the whole idea yeah. of just, like, you just, you keep telling yourself something until you believe it. And I yeah. think there's a lot of things in the Christian life that we're just, like, okay, if you just believe that you have God's spirit in you and you believe that you are good enough and you believe that you um, are capable of stuff. And so I think we're so busy trying to convince ourselves when um, Lutheran theology is like, okay, let's be real. We really don't know what mm -hmm. we're doing and we're really horrible mm -hmm. at this. And so let's place our hope in the right place. Yeah. And it's such like this huge relief. It's like, oh my goodness, someone's being honest about yes. all of this <laughs> it's 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 this huge um relief that we're we're dealing with reality we're not dealing mm -hmm. with um 
some um, ideal, yeah. yeah, that some ideal that that we're never going to achieve on, on yeah. our own. Yeah, I think another thing I see people like, like a an example of false hope is kind of like if you kind of what you're saying, like if you say enough of this of these mantras or this mantra, whatever that might be, um, you're kind of able to will good into your life, um, mm-hmm. whether that's like prosperity, because I think there's that branch of Christianity, or um, maybe even like uh, sanctification, like if you just mm-hmm. think hard enough about this, or you um, you study your Bible, and you do enough quiet times, like you're going to will it into existence. And those are mm-hmm. both uh, that's not the hope we're talking about. Like the hope yeah. that that we're speaking about is the hope that one day we're going to be uh, reunited with with our God, that we're going to be um, resurrected just as Christ was, and that, um, you know, he's going to wipe away every tear. Um, I think that's important because we, we so often think um, – that all we have to hope for or what we should be hoping for is, are these things that actually are going to um, not last and not, not um, be eternal. And that's, that's really not what the Bible's talking about. Yeah. I, I think um, this, this last week in, in my prayer life, I have, you know, I think one of, I appreciate a God who is honest. And I think he, um, in his word tells us a lot of things we don't want to hear because we would rather believe other things. Um, Mm -hmm. one thing I've been currently wrestling through, which again has to do with my pain, um, is I really want to hope in a salute. I I want to hope that in this life or, Mm. um, or, next week or the week after, can I just, can I place my hope in the fact that this is soon over? And when, um, and I want to be able to set the terms of my hope and I want to, um, and I'm, I'm assessing, okay, eternal hope, I know logically has more value, but temporal hope is really kind of, if I'm honest, that's what I want right now. Yeah. And, you know, and so like wrestling with God with that and saying, um, okay, I, God, I know you're telling the truth, but can I say for a moment that I hate the truth Yeah, and I'm going to, you know, and really confessing that to him and, Mm -hmm. and letting him work in my heart that way. I, I found that in my prayer life when I am, um, brutally honest with God, um, he deals in truth and he works Hmm. on my heart when I am praying in truth. Um, it's when I'm just pretending and trying to impress him that I Hmm. tend to not as quickly get the help that I need (laughs) because, and that's not necessarily because of him. It's, it's because of, no, it's me. Yeah. Yeah, It's you. It's it's me avoiding, avoiding the issue. And Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, and, you know, I don't think it's bad to have temporal hope, you know, like, um, I, and I don't think that that's what 
you're saying, but I think that's like a, it's important to know, like, you know, if you, if you're in chronic pain, if you have, um, a strained relationship, whatever it is, like hope for the, hope for those things to be fixed and pray in hope that they will be fixed. Um, but knowing that that's not the hope in which, uh, our faith is, is founded. Um, that's not the hope that, that, like you said, keeps us, lets us get up every morning to a new, a new sunrise. Well, I think, um, I think if we're all honest, um, we want God to guarantee for us a happy life. Like we're always Mm, in this constant negotiation. Um, God, can you, can you guarantee this for me? Can you guarantee this? And, um, yeah, I'm still very much in the process of, of wrestling with God over this, but what's exciting is I get to wrestle with God about this. Like God has brought me to a place in my Christian life where, um, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is the right term for it, but I'm almost excited or at least, um, I can trust in the fact that he can handle my hard questions. There was a time, um, I remember talking with my friend Katie, who I do a podcast with, we were talking about the end of the book of Job when God is asking all these questions, like Job basically like loses his temper on God and Mm -hmm. says, you know, I demand an audience with you. And, um, and God said, all right, gird up your loins. Here you go. Um, we're Mm -hmm. going to ask you some questions. And, um, I was talking to her about this. This was probably a year or two ago. And, um, and I said, well, and God responded, you know, really angrily to Job. And she's like, why do you read God's voice in an angry tone there? She Hmm. said, you know, have you, have you thought about the fact that the tone might be something that you're you're putting on the text Hmm. and, um, not something that, um, that, that he understands. And, um, and as it has been pointed out too, at the end of it, um, God said that Job did what was right. Um, he asked the hard questions of God. He did what was right. And, um, so, in that sense, this, this wrestling that I'm in the middle of, um, there's hope in it because I know that God will answer me. I don't know what the answer will be, but I know he will. I know that he's going to redeem what I'm going through. And I know Mm -hmm. that he is going to answer me in a way that benefits me the most. And, um, and, and those are truths that I can hang on to and embolden me in prayer. Um, whereas before I would shy away knowing that God is patient, um, helps me to lean in instead of shy away. I hear you saying the patience of God and understanding and knowing that God is patient with us, not only changes how we, um, go to him, but, but also how we treat our neighbor. Right. I mean, we've kind of gone over that, um, have you found yourself thinking specifically about that second part quite a bit as you've been researching and studying? And is there anything that's kind of stood out to you um, on, on, in that, in that aspect, as far as how we're, we're patient with those around us? 
Yeah. You know, I, I have the advantage right now of having experienced mothering the entire childhood, you know, first 18 years now. And, um, there's a benefit to like getting through the newborn stage the first time, because the second mm-hmm. time, you know, how short it is. And, right. um, there's a benefit to getting through the toddler stage because you know that like some of the stuff they grow out of, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's, I remember, um, so my, my oldest is in college now and, you know, there were some rough, uh, teenage years, um, where, um, we didn't get along super well cause we had different mm-hmm. views on, on, um, on grace and extending it to others and all these things. And, um, what was ironic about it was I had no grace for her when she had no mm-hmm. grace for one of her siblings. And mm-hmm. so I, when we were coming out of that stage, um, we had had several, um, conversations to talk about and apologize to each other for that, uh, that season. Um, when she came out of that was, she's like, mom, I need you to allow me to have a bad day because Mm -hmm. you were so, you were so scared that I was going down a wrong path that like you came down hard every time. (laughs) And so like now with like my next kids, when they are having hormonal teenage days, I can be like, oh, they're just having a bad day. It'll be fine tomorrow. Yeah. And like not exploding at them. Yeah. For having a bad day. Um, Does that mean that I'm more permissive and the rules have changed in our house? Absolutely not. It means um, I'm understanding that they're struggling with something too. I think it it Mm -hmm. brings about some compassion to it. Um, it doesn't change the rules, but it um, it has me approach the situation very differently, um, mm-hmm. knowing that some people are just having a bad day, um, yeah. even kids. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that is such a good example. I feel like that holds true throughout. I mean, I only have toddlers and babies right now, but yeah. I feel the same way. It probably makes a big difference when they can vocalize, like, please let me have a, a bad day. <laughs> Versus, you know, because I, I find myself with the same thing, you know, the baby's not sleeping or whatever, and I can't figure out why. And it's like, oh, no, he's never going to sleep again. When in reality, it's just that he's it's just it's a phase. Maybe not a bad day, but it's just a phase. It's just a phase. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's such such wise advice specifically for for parents but I think it also transcends to other relationships um, yeah well and that's God God remembers that we are dust and that is a huge comfort to me Hmm. and so in my patience with others remembering that they're dust Hmm. it's kind of that low anthropology that uh, Dave Zoll talks about remembering that we're dust um, I think that's something that facilitates a lot of patience in us because we're not expecting people to be God or to be more, to act more righteous than they are. Um, But there, I think the, 
this self-justification or this sense of justice rises up in us so quickly. And so, um, again, that's where that tension, um, that tension is, and that's where, that's where we need a lot of wisdom, mm. um, which again is another name. That's a personification of Christ. <laughs> we need Christ. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end. Um, thank you so much for chatting today and, um, I'm looking forward to whatever, whatever you're going to come up with whenever that may be. Um, so thank you. Ironically, a book of patience is taking a long time. (laughs) We will be, we will persevere though. We will endure until the book on patience by Gretchen Ronovic comes out. So thanks for giving us a little preview on, on, on that um i learned a lot today and um as always i'm so grateful for the time to chat thanks gretchen oh thank you outside ourselves is a 1517 podcast to learn more please go to 1517.org forward slash podcast where you can view all of our podcasts including gretchen's freely given if you have enjoyed outside ourselves i would really love if you could give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening to podcasts whether that's on spotify or apple podcasts it's something that you can do super super quickly and it really does help other people find the show thanks as always and we will see you next time